Hallelujah. God has done tremendous things. Let's open up with a word of prayer for the word to go forth. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. We praise you today, God. We honor you. We magnify your name, God. We thank you because you are our king. You are our God. You are our rock, God. And we thank you. We praise you that we are still here. God, in the midst of everything that's going on, we bless your holy name, God, that we are still here, sound and in our right mind, God. I thank you, God, that nobody had to roll us in here this morning, but we all walked in here this morning, God. And we bless you, God, for that. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart today would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight because you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the scripture, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And we know this is a very familiar scripture it's the scripture that's on the flyer it's the scripture that the ministry stands by you know before we get into that I want to just say how many of you have you ever thought about where God has brought you from and where you are now hallelujah I want to bless God for that hallelujah the Bible says that I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to read that one more time. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me you may be seated now when we look at this scripture here a lot had gone on by the time the apostle paul had got into this verse of the scripture which will be our focal point of the message in verse one it says that then after 14 years i went up again to jerusalem with barnabas and also took titus with me and i went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which i preached amongst the gentiles but privately to those who were of reputation lest by any means i might run excuse me at many lest by any means i might run or had run in vain. So Paul had a lot to deal with in Galatia. Might I say, Apostle Amanda, y'all got a lot to deal with in Burgos. <laughs> but God has already given you the anointing to deal with what you got to deal with. He had a lot to deal with in Galatia. He was teaching freedom to those that were trying to bring back people into bondage under the law. Now think about this. You've been set free. But you got people around you trying to infect your thinking and bring you back into condemnation under the law. This is what was going on and this is what's going on today. God has already set us free from many things, but then you got those little imps and those little people that want to call you and talk to you and, and, and influence your thinking against the church, against the ministry to bring you back into the place that they were pulled out of. I'm going to say that again. People want you to be pulled out of a place of freedom to join them in their bondage because guess what? They're not happy. They're not happy. So misery loves company and this is what was going on in Galatia. This is what is going on in many of the houses of God today. You have the saints and you have the ain'ts. You have those who are all for God and you got those that ain't for nothing. All they want to do is 
Bible say more trouble? That's more trouble. Always trying to stir up something. How about stirring up the spirit of God within you and begin to pull down strongholds? Now, another thing I want to say that Paul did not operate as a lone ranger. It said that he took Barnabas and Titus with him. I'm going to say that again. He wasn't a lone ranger. And whenever you are in ministry, one thing that must be absolute, you must be absolutely sure of is the people that are close to you and around you. I'm going to say that again. You better know who in your camp. You better know who giving you counsel. You know, when you look in the uh, Psalms chapter 1, it said, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of a sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorner, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate both day and night. So when I'm around people like Apostle Amandian, I'm getting wise counsel many times. I wanted to do something. Apostle said, well, I mean, she's so sweet with how she brings correction or encouragement to not do something. Sometimes you'll bring it in. Well, you know, in a story or sometimes you say, well, you know, have you ever thought about it like this? Not to bring you down, but to cause you to think. Wise counsel. Think about what you are about to do. Because everybody that did something that they were not supposed to do got some jacked up results. And you know what? I'm old enough now. I got my AARP card. I don't need to be going through nothing else that I don't need to go through. Amen? Nothing else. Ain't no shame in my game. Hallelujah. I'm not going through nothing else. So I need wise counsel. I need people around me like the man and woman of God who hear from God for real. And when they give me advice, I'm going to take it whether I like it or not. Because when you crucify with Christ, your flesh dies to what you want. Uh huh. When we crucify with Christ, our flesh dies to what we think we want. We have to have the mind of Christ. The only way we're going to get the mind of Christ is if we get the word in us. The word, everybody said, get the word in us. Oh, I can't hear you. Everybody said, get the word in us. And when we get the word in us, it's going to work out and push out and eject out everything that's hiding that does not line up with the word of God. Everything got to go. I tell you what, when you get a relationship with God. A real relationship with God. I said a real, a fire relationship with God. How many people on fire for God this morning? I mean, when you wake up, it's all about him. When you're in the middle of your day, it's all about him. See, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, yet not I. In other words, it wasn't about him anymore. It wasn't about what they called him. It wasn't about what he looked like. It wasn't about what he smelled like, how good he could cook or whatever. It was all about Christ. And if we're going to survive in these last and evil days, and that's almost become a cliche, but nowadays it is real evil. And if we're going to survive in this last and evil day, one thing we've got to do is got to all be about Jesus for real. No more playing church. No more faking it to make it, church. No more riding off the anointing of somebody else's coattail thinking that's going to get us into heaven when God says get the relationship for yourself. 
One of the things I like about the Apostle Paul, you know, he took Titus with him. And one thing, as I said, we got to make sure that we are around people that's not going to disrupt what God has put in you. People will laugh in your face. They'll smile in your face. Yep, I brought my big towel today because I sweat a lot. (laughs) They will laugh in your face and everything. Agree with you when you're wrong. But in the end, it will cause you destruction. When Paul took Titus with him, one of the things I want to say, Paul knew who he was dealing with. Titus, let's look at Titus briefly. It's a number of passages about Titus that said that Paul trusted Titus. And as we go further, even into the end of 2020 and into 2021, we better know that we know that the people that you call and your friends are friends of God. Amen. I'm going to say that again. The people that you call friends better be a friend of God because they will get you in a jacked up situation. And some people may not even make it out. Because they got the wrong people surrounding them. One of the things that uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.13, Paul referred to Titus as his brother. In 2 Corinthians 7.6, he said that Paul said that he was comforted by the coming of Titus. When Titus came and something was going on, not only was Paul comforted, but as his presence, the rest of the people were comforted as well. 2 Corinthians 8.6 shows Paul trusted Titus, now check this out. He trusted Titus to receive an offering, a collection. Can you trust the people that you're hanging with even to receive or to handle your money? Now, another verse says, when we go on down into the verse, it said that Paul went by revelation and communicated to them the gospel. So it didn't say that the apostle Paul got an invitation with a large honorarium. It said that he went by revelation. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to go on invitation, but I tell you what, I've had to turn down so many invitations because my spirit, the spirit of God was not witnessing in me that I needed to go there. I'm going to give you a a testimony. I was going to go, and I'm not going to call the city. I was invited somewhere. They were going to bless me real good, Apostle. They said, oh, we're going to take care of your flight, your hotel, your meals, and this is your honorarium. I'm like, whoo, Jesus, thank you. (laughs) I was so happy. I said, oh, my God, that, wow. Lord, what do you want me to say? He said, don't go. Don't go. I said, but, Lord, surely you've given me a word. But see, I I was in the flesh. My plane ticket, my hotel, my food, a chauffeur, and a huge honorarium to come and preach the gospel. Come and prophesy. Did you catch that? They wanted me to come and prophesy. And God says, don't go. Later on, I found out that that meeting was a hot mess. Nothing but a bunch of prophylizing. and it was a bunch of sexual immorality going on as well. And God says, I don't want you caught up in that, so don't go. So Paul, he went by revelation and he communicated to them the gospel. And it wasn't by invitation, it was by revelation. Everybody said, by revelation. Amen. So he was walking out the word that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. How so? He went by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And our flesh has to literally be crucified to obey God. Our flesh don't want to obey God. Our flesh want to do 
what we want to do. Our flesh want to be seen. Our flesh want to be heard. Our flesh want everybody to be attached to us. It does, that's why it has to be crucified. We got to be a bond servant of Christ. And it takes time to develop the things of God in us. It didn't happen with Paul overnight. Yeah, he got knocked out on that road to Damascus. And when he got up, boy, oh boy, he had a situation going on. But he knew who he was once he got up and met Jesus Christ. We got to have a real relationship with God. And when you're in ministry, when Paul was saying this, it took wisdom, it took knowledge, and it took the word, and it took experience. Not a relationship with what you think you know, but what we know in him. When you look in Isaiah 55, go there. Isaiah 55, chapter, excuse me, 55, verses 8 and 9. So we can't go on what we think we know. The Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my higher ways, excuse me, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. So we can't even trust our natural mind unless our mind, we have the mind of Christ to think the even type of thoughts we need to be thinking. We can't figure nothing out if God don't help us. We don't know how to go in or come out if God don't show us. I don't know about you, but I need God every day. You know, have you ever heard that song that says, I get joy and you don't know like I know what he's done for me? When I was a kid, I used to hear the church mother sing that all the time. And it wasn't until I got good and grown and had made a whole bunch of mistakes and got delivered out of a whole bunch of stuff that you don't know like I know what he's done for me. You don't know (laughs) what I know like I know. I believe all of us in here got some you just don't knows. You just don't know. You just don't know what God brought me out of. Where he put me at. You just don't know. But Isaiah was saying that God says that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're higher than us. So we have to develop a relationship with God if we're going to move forward correctly in this next season. How do you do that? We have to really begin to spend quality time with God. So that his ways can become our ways. So his thoughts can become our thoughts. What's on his heart is impressed on your heart. And what happened in many instances is there are hirelings in the body of Christ that will go out and do something for hire. And they don't have his thoughts. They don't have his ways. They don't have knowledge of the word. They don't have an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that they're doing that's operation with the operation of the Holy Spirit, it's the operation of the flesh. And God is saying we must kill the flesh. And the only way the flesh is going to die is if we put it on the altar and let it be burned up. You know, another thing that I was thinking of when he said he went by revelation, he didn't go by, um, he didn't get into like all that witchcraft and, you know, stuff like that. A lot of things that happen when people are in the wrong realm of the spirit, but they think they are operating in the spirit, they're in the wrong realm. They're in the wrong realm. And they begin to prophesy out of a spirit that will use them to speak a word and not know what spirit they're speaking of. But Paul knew full well what he was talking about. 
because he had a relationship with God. He had been crucified with Christ. It wasn't about him, but it was Christ that lived in him. So when he prophesied or when he spoke a word, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that word came from God. Do we know that what we're talking about is really coming from God? What inner witness are you getting? Is it the witness of your flesh or is it the witness of the Holy Ghost on the inside? And do you know the difference? If you go into Acts chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, let's read that. And it was about the uh, young lady that was following Paul. And after following Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that moment. Now, this is very interesting because here we have somebody operating outside of the spirit of God in divination. And she was actually uh, paid to prophesy. That's why when you have a word of prophecy, you better make sure it's coming from God. Now, she was paid to prophesy, but after she got delivered, they got mad at Paul and them and threw them in jail. Because they cut their money off. (laughs) Let's talk about the fact that um, we have to not believe every spirit. In John, 1 John 4, when it said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits to see whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Why don't we need to believe every spirit? Because every spirit that's shatan and speaking in tongues and telling you what thus saith the Lord is not of God. But do we know the difference? The demons, the imps, they know what went on in the past. They can speak into the ear of someone that is in the wrong realm of the spirit to tell you information about yourself. But if we don't have the gift of discerning of spirits, we'll say, oh, that was God. I know that was God because they told me all about myself. Uh Uh-uh. No. There are two realms of the spirit in operation and we're still talking about being crucified with Christ. The realm of the spirit where God speaks to us in the realm of familiar spirits are speaking. And how do you know the difference? Now to the untrained spiritual ear and undeveloped relationship with God, they both sound the same. I'm going to say that again. To the untrained spiritual ear and the underdeveloped relationship with God, they sound the same. And they can demonstrate signs and wonders as well. He was like, really? The devil can demonstrate signs and wonders? Go to Exodus chapter 7, verses 10 through 12. And it says, And Moses and Aaron went into unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and the servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, and they also did in like manner with their enchantments. They did the same thing. Now think about that. Paul had such a relationship with Christ. He had been crucified with Christ. He wasn't living on the end. It was Christ that was living on the inside of him. And he had become so dead to the flesh that he knew. 
He knew that when that girl was saying, oh, these are men of God. They're preaching the gospel. They they are who God and all of that. He was able to turn around and discern it. But she followed him for a couple of days and he finally said, get out, devil. He had that discernment. Why? Because he had been crucified with Christ. He wasn't all mixed up in his emotions and she motions and he wasn't having, you know, God over here talking on one shoulder and enemy over there. No, he was crucified in his spirit because Christ was living in him. So they had the enchantments. What does that mean? An enchantment means to practice sorcery or rich or witchcraft on anything to subdue to or to delight to the highest degree. Also, when you're dealing with somebody who has not been crucified with Christ, but they have a prophetic gift, they have an irresistible influence over people. And if we are not careful, that irresistible influence will literally pull you into them. I'm going to say it again. It'll pull you into them, not God. Because you're irresistibly influenced by their enchantments. This is what was going on in Exodus. When they threw down those rods and then the magicians threw down theirs, that enchantment means an irresistible influence. But Paul had a relationship with Christ. And if the enemy can get you off course and cause you to be puffed up about your calling, your title, or who you are, or how many people are following you, calling your name, there is a problem. It's not about us, it's about Christ. Now, don't go to sleep today. We need to all hear this. Amen. So Paul was not impressed with his calling. He wasn't impressed. He was not impressed with his calling. His heart was to bring truth to the people. It was to bring the word. It was to bring deliverance to people. If you go to 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 1 and 2, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you. Now, this is Paul speaking. He said, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech. In other words, I was not trying to impress you with my big words. So if I say eight, oh well. (laughs) I'm not trying to impress you. Because if I have not impressed my father that is in heaven and he don't know my name, it's curtains. So Paul says, I don't come to you. With excellency of speech or wisdom or declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the only thing. Everybody say that's the only thing that I need to know. I need to know Jesus and him crucified. I don't need to know all this other stuff. I need to know the word. I need to have a real relationship. I mean a real relationship. See, it wasn't until that I fell all the way down that I realized I was not where I thought I was. And then God picked me up. You know, that that old song, he picked me up, turned me around, set my feet on solid ground, all of that. I'm a witness to that. I'm a witness to the life-changing power of God, that resurrection power of Jesus Christ on the inside. And I'm going to tell you what, if you are not experiencing the resurrection power, something is wrong. A lot is wrong. You ought to be able to get up in the morning and speak to your atmosphere and it better change. I don't allow people in my house with filthy mouths. I don't 
allow people to come into my house and turn on whatever they want to turn on. And I got to be closing my eyes. This is my, this is God's house. You're not going to come in here and jack up this atmosphere. And it's going to take me 20 days in a fast to get rid of the junk you dropped off in my house. I don't think so. But no longer I that live, but Christ that lives on the inside of me. And when Christ lives in your house, it's things that you won't do in your house. It's things that you won't say in your house. It's things that you won't even tolerate coming through your door. I hope I know I'm helping somebody in here today. I know I'm helping somebody because you've been tolerating some stuff coming into your house through the boob tube, the idiot box, the TV. And then I shouldn't have watched that. Oh, I know. I shouldn't have watched that. That was, uh, mm, mm, mm. yeah, you shouldn't have. Because you just drugged the Holy Spirit into what you were just watching. You say he in you. But how can we entertain filthiness? I mean, something in our spirit ought to just cringe when you start hearing the F-bomb being dropped and, oh, we had a good storyline. You know what? I'm going to turn that storyline off and I'm going to pick up the greatest story that was ever told and I'm going to get into this book. Because this will save my soul, deliver, heal, and set me free. Not that idiot box. Hallelujah. That's why Paul can say, I have been crucified with Christ because his heart and intent was determined to kill the flesh. He saw beyond the natural into the supernatural and we can't see in the supernatural because our minds are stuck in the natural. I'm going to say that again. I want you to take note. The reason why many people can't see into the supernatural is because their minds are stuck in the natural. What do you mean by that, Apostle Cross? God is saying that your affections have become divided. Why would I say that? Anytime we know more about the news, the weather, the sports, more than the word, and and, and in any given situation, our affections has been divided. I can tell you about everything else that's going on in the world today, but you can't even pick up the word and give me a remedy for what's going on. Your affections have become divided. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to run out the door after this. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. The smoke screen is something that Apostle Amanda says quite often, and it always sticks with me. One of them is she talks about see me, hear me, and be attached to me. Okay, so let's talk about what you see. You're seeing riots, you're seeing drama, we see coronavirus numbers, we see debates, but we are not seeing the power of the resurrection that is the answer. We see this stuff in the natural, but the supernatural and the word counteracts what's going on in the natural. But what I'm seeing is that if we have not spent enough time in the word, we'll be overtaken by what's going on in this world today. 
what you hear. We hear fighting. We hear the scientists say this and that. We hear what the White House say. We hear what the contenders say. But what have we heard the master say lately? He's the great I am. And what he says is absolute truth. Yes, I'm not denying that there's a lot going on. But absolute truth say that I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And whatever God says, it is. If the word says you're healed, delivered, set free... Hey, let me tell you something about that Psalms 91. The word has power. You can be all around some stuff. You can be all around sickness and disease. A thousand will fall at your right, at your left, but it will not come nigh you. You can quote it all day, baby, but if you don't really believe it, it's going to come nigh. That's why we have to get in the word and let the word get in us. When I say it ain't coming nigh me, it ain't coming nigh me. I don't know where your religion at. But I'm not backing down on the word because that's all I have. The word of God is all we have. Man can't fix you. God already fixed you. Man can't deliver your mind. God already delivered your mind. It's already been done. But the trick of the enemy is to get you so inundated with what's going on in the world. I got to see this. I got to hear that. But what did God say? We need to turn off the news, the weather, the sports, the movies and all this and get up in here. And then you won't be worried about what's going to happen. Because whatever happened, if I ain't here, I'm present with him. Hallelujah. So it don't matter. Some people fear death. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And honey, let me tell you something. To be excellent from here is to be present with the king. So what are you afraid of? You afraid to give up a place that wasn't even meant for us to stay for right now? Don't be afraid to give up stuff. Hallelujah. Proverbs 4.20 says, my son, we're talking about hearing. What are you hearing today? We're hearing a whole bunch of noise. We're hearing a whole bunch of drama. We're hearing a, getting a whole bunch of phone calls. Ooh, girl, did you see this? Or did you hear that? Or man, did you hear that? Or this and this is and that has happened. But the Bible says in Proverbs 4.20, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my saying. Hear what I got to say. Read what I already said. <laughs> Glory. Read what he already said. Did you catch that? Read, incline your ear to what was already said in the book. John 6, 63 says, It is the spirit that quicketh, quickeneth, the flesh profit nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So whatever you hearing in the natural, it ain't profiting you nothing. So why is you wasting your time? The spirit is what quickens. The word is what quickens. I'm sick and tired of the TV. 
Sometimes I, amen. Sometimes I don't even turn it on. Because I gotta hurry up and find a channel where they ain't, where, where they ain't, I'm, I'm gonna say this, I gotta hurry up and find a channel where they ain't doing the nasty, where they ain't cussing somebody out. And we don't need to see all of that. When was the last time the Spirit of God quickened you? When was the last time that you felt the wind and the breath of God blow past you while you was in prayer? When was it, be honest. Or did we just say that quick little prayer in the morning? God, I thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. We will be rejoiced and be glad in it. God, I thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. No. That's not cutting it. We are in a spiritual warfare. And let me tell you, the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. So the pulling down a stronghold. How can you pull down a stronghold if you living in a stronghold? In your mind. Because it's not been renewed by the word. We say, well, how, how can you say my mind ain't been renewed? Get a headache and then lay hands on yourself and tell me if it go. If it go. There you go. Hallelujah. All right, moving on. The flesh profits us nothing. And in this last hour, the flesh has to be crucified. It's not about the media. It's not about unwise counsel that appear to be wise advising you according to the flesh. Them people have an agenda for giving you advice. Amen. They want something from you. And then the last one. What have you become attached to? See apostle always talks about. See me. Hear me. And be attached to me. What have you become attached to? Many people are so attached. To what's about to happen in the world. That they have become unattached to the word. Unattached to the word. We think we are attached to the word because we can quote some scriptures. But honey, let me tell you something. When you attach to something like the Holy Spirit is our paraclete and he walks with us everywhere we go. When you attach to something everywhere you go, it goes. But we have unattached ourselves from the word and attached to the things of this world. And we have to get it right. And no matter what the enemy tries to do, he is already defeated. And many people have literally forgotten their kingdom authority because we have attached to the things of this world. If we keep on thinking about it, talking about it, pondering it, wondering when this corona is going to go, it's already gone as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to lock myself up in a house somewhere, peeking out the window. Somebody, oh, Lord. Oh, is that somebody with a virus? They just coughed. Oh, my God. Before Coronas came out, you weren't thinking about nobody coughing and sniffling. But now we've become so attached to what's going on in the world, we forgot that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You know, there's an old song, the, the words are, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes back to Jesus. Turn them back 
to him. Look full in his wonderful face. Because the world ain't wonderful. They think it is, but it's not. So we're talking about getting back attached to Jesus. There are some things that we got to tear down in our lives. If you look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 8, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Everybody says strongholds. We're going to pull them down. Amen. But wait a minute. I'm going to pull down my sister. Or am I going to pull down the stronghold? Am I going to pull down the church? Am I going to pull down the stronghold that's coming against the church? Am I going to pull down my brother? Or am I going to pull down the stronghold that's coming against my brother? See, we got to get it right if we're going to get it. It's not the people. It's the enemy working through people. So we have to cast down every imagination. Now when you talk about the imagination, that word literally literally means the reckoning, a computation, what you computing in your mind about. You gotta tear that down. We gotta cast first you gotta pull down the strongholds, then you gotta cast down the imagination, the reasoning. When you look at that word imagination, it also means when you cast down imaginations, it means such as hostile, hostile to the Christian faith. So anything that's hostile to the Christian faith, that's what we need to be tearing down, not each other. And it goes on to say every high thing. What does high thing mean? Everything that's elevated, every structure, every barrier, everything that's elevated, tear it down, pull it down. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity the every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now we're still talking about being crucified with Christ, but if you don't get your mind right, if the mind ain't one with the word of God, that's where the problem is. So we have to pull down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. Now, a lot of people don't want to bring into captivity their thoughts because they like them little crazy thoughts on the side. Be like, you know what? I'm going to sit here and smile, but I'm going to be thinking. Uh I'm going to be smiling at you, but I'm thinking these thoughts in my head. The Bible says, cast them down, get rid of them. The one part I like about this scripture, and I'm almost done. It says, and having in... Now, when I looked at that word in, in verse six, it means you got to have, that means have a fixed position. You got to be in place in time or state. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So we have to be in a place with God. We have to be in a fixed position with God in our minds, in our thought and in our spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one thing that I refuse to let the enemy do because I want to be crucified with Christ. I don't want to live anymore. I want to be, and I'm not talking about committing suicide. Can I just put that out there right now? I'm talking about being crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ lives on the inside of me. So what we have to do is we have to not let the enemy play with our minds. The enemy is not going to come against my family. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. 
And once you know who you are with Christ, you will stop crying about what's going on and you will take your kingdom authority and command the devil to go in Jesus' name. But if you ain't in here, if you don't know who you are, as Apostle Amanda preaches all the time, you got to know who you are in Christ. And now that you are who you are in Christ, now what? Walk in your kingdom authority. Amen? The last part of that scripture says, having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I'm going to say that again. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So if we're going to be crucified with Christ, let me tell you, when Jesus was on his way to the crucifixion, People are going to talk about you. They talked about him. They called him a liar, so they're going to call you a liar. They're going to call me a liar. They physically beat Jesus down, and some people might have the boldness to try to hit you. But God, I got a three and an eight that said, don't come near me. (laughs) They spit on Jesus. They mocked him. But this is why he was on his way to being crucified. They made fun of him. They laughed at him. They even said he was the devil. But we can't even stand it when somebody talk about us. Oh well, talk on. And while you telling, tell everybody that I love Jesus. Amen. They even placed a crown of thorns on his head. Now, when you look at the crown of thorns, it was a symbol, really, of royalty and majesty that was that was a symbol of the crown. But they literally turned that crown into something painful and degrading. So people going to cause you pain. People going to try to degrade you. But guess what? If Jesus took it, I can take it. Why? Because it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So I can take it with his grace and mercy. These things happened on the way to the crucifixion. And I submit to you today, do you still want to be crucified with Christ? Do you still want to be crucified with Christ? Can we say like Jesus did on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do when they rake in your name over the coals. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified. With Christ. Nevertheless. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. I live. I'm going to say that again. I live. Everybody say I live. live. By the faith of the son of God. Who loved me. And gave himself. For me. That's my message. Let's give God.